We are joined now by Bearcats head coach, John Brannon. Coach, what was your bottom line for what cost you the ball game tonight? Uh, defense, first half defense. Uh, just didn't guard. Uh, they had a good game plan coming in. I thought they out game planned us a little bit in terms of things that they want to attack against us. We weren't able to. Bottom line is the style of play was theirs for the first you know, 30 plus, or not 30 plus, you know, first half and then part of the second half. And then we finally got the style play where we wanted it. And that that's that's where the game was won. Now, specifically in terms of inside the game, you know, offensive rebounding, obviously, uh, inability to get 50-50 balls, uh, handling adversity. Um, you know, I've told every one of my teams, you're, you're, you're never as, you'll find out how good you are once you go through adversity. So you're never as good until you handle your toughest adversity. And... Some things can be 8, 9, 10, and 0, but if they haven't handled adversity yet, you really never find out. So we went through it last year early in the season. We're going through it now. My concerns right now, though, are we, we, I thought we had gotten better defensively, uh, but the physicality, the physicality was just too much for us. We, we, we don't have tremendous physicality up front. I knew that. That's why we got to play the game a certain way. And then the other piece is, uh, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not very good. Uh, as, as time, you know, last year's team was really good. Late game, won a lot of close games. This year's team ex- executed better tonight, late game. Uh, but it wasn't enough. I know you take early bumps, man. No exhibition, you know, no no preseason, any of that nature. But, you know, what's some keys that you kind of focus on for this team to continue to improve and, and kind of win these late close games? Well, you know, we were 39th in defense coming into this game in the country. And I told our guys, if we can limit fouling, we'll be a top 25 defensive team. And when we do that, then we'll have a chance to be the NCAA tournament team. Offensively, we're ever-evolving. You know, you saw last night, today, we, we focused on execution the last two days. We executed Got the ball into Chris. He got some, you know, easy ones. We got some pretty good looks. I mean, three at the end was a great look. And we got some pretty good looks. So they're executing better. But then we didn't – you plug one hole and another hole opens. And that's what you deal with, a lot of new faces. And that's what happens when you have a team that hasn't played together and, and they're getting to know – I mean, even, you know, Rapp and, and Dave are getting to know us and we're getting to know them. So you plug one hole, another hole opens. And, uh, you know, we just – we need more consistency out of our seniors. You know, Keith was really good in the second half. We need entire games out of him. Uh, just because, I mean, we, we need that from a uh, from a continuity standpoint because they understand what it takes in this league. Yep. You're down by 12 with about eight minutes to go. Keith scored 12 straight as you pulled even with about four and a half minutes to go. But you also used the full court press during that stretch. Got a lot of deflections. Didn't necessarily always get the steal, but you were getting your hands on a lot of those uh, balls in the backcourt. Is is that going to be a weapon for the team going forward? Well, I, I wanted to do it in the first half, but we weren't getting – we weren't putting the ball, you know, we weren't, weren't really getting to the point where you could see it set. And uh, it was too much in a half court. The game was too much in a half court. Our, our, our system is never in a half court. It always, whether we're trapping or not, or at least we're picking up full court. And uh, we just, uh, we couldn't get that. But once it happened in the second half, it worked. But for some reason, we couldn't get control of it in the first half. Was the final three-point shot exactly what you were looking for when you called the timeout with six seconds to go? Exactly. They ran it to perfection. Yep. Great look. Yeah, it was a great look. Great it look by a 50% three-point shooter. I'll take it every time. It if they, they asked us to do it again, we'd, we'd want him to shoot it again. That was a great play, Coach. Appreciate your time, Coach. Thanks, Thank guys. you very much. USF victorious tonight, 74-71. to We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and wrap things up in just a moment. This is Bearcat Basketball presented by Ucrate on News Radio 700 WLW. Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and 
Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer, it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. However, the team is making it incredibly hard to say those words. I'm, pr- I'm getting tired, Hummer, of you saying it's a great day to be a Bearcat fan and having to put these caveats in it or on oh. it. Unfortunately, the reality is with the football team that the only caveats are coming from external factors that are frankly completely out of control of Luke Fickle, of the players. Um, I wish I'd see our athletic director get a bit more upset about it, but when it comes to this basketball team, what's happening on the court is completely within their control. The Bearcats just dropped their third game of the season, this time to South Florida, 74-71. Gave up 43 first-half points, Hummer. And we just got done listening to the post-game comments from John Brannon. Uh, what do you think? What, what did you think about what we just heard from John Brannon? The, the first, the biggest takeaways, or I don't want to say the biggest takeaway, the first takeaway at least, he mentioned physicality. We were bullied on the court today. Chris Vogt, a seven foot one ginormous human being was blocked multiple times. Uh, and, and he was saying that, you know, we lacked physicality and physicality though is a culture, you know, that's something that your culture instills in the players, you know, whether you're, you're making them do the miserable loose ball drills, that's what they should be doing tomorrow. Honestly, practice tomorrow should be nothing but loose ball drills for however long you're legally allowed to hold practice should be suicides and loose ball drills. Like the, the funny thing is we, we, we talked to Corey Sims about this stuff, about what it was like to be a team manager with Mick Crone. And then you hear the fact that they are drilling certain aspects of the game that are physicality with, with be it pads with, with crazy Dave Andrews or, or loose ball drills where you're practicing diving on the floor, going after loose balls, making sure that you are the team that's going to come up with the 50, 50 balls. I think you hit the nail on the head, man. A culture is what physicality is. A culture is toughness. And right now, when John Brandon took the job for UC, that was one of the first words he used. And every single coach in America uses that same word, culture. What's the culture of this team? Last season, we were bailed out by the greatness, the late game heroics of Jaron Cumberland. We were bailed out by the incredible leadership of newly signed Utah jazz player, Trey Scott. They carried us last season and they bailed us out time in time again and got us to 20 wins this season. We don't have those guys. And what I saw on the court today against South Florida was just frankly unacceptable. We are accustomed to a certain style of play here at Cincinnati. And I don't think that John Brandon is beholden to play the exact same way that Bob Huggins did or that Mick Cronin did. You know, frankly, UC fans were yearning for a style of play that was more up-tempo, that was more modern, that was more offensively pleasing. We were promised that the defense wouldn't slip, and the defense has been soft. It's been soft, Hummer. We've given up layups. We're getting bodied on the boards. We gave up nine offensive rebounds in the first half. USF only missed 17 shots. Culture of physicality. We don't have it. We're not tough enough. We're not defending hard enough. It's hard to watch. Just to actually put this in perspective, uh, Florida, South Florida almost just shy rebounded 
50% of their missed shots. That's, that's a, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge margin. Um, but more importantly too, the, the physicality doesn't just, it's not just disappearing on the, you know, on on the defensive end of the court. I think we're lacking a certain physicality on the offensive side too. You know, we're used to seeing these teams that crash, absolutely crash the glass. We don't have players crashing the glass the way, the way we're accustomed to. And, you know, and, and I, I agree with you. He doesn't need to do, you know, he, he's, he doesn't need to be Bob Huggins. He doesn't need to be Mick Cronin, but the use, the Cincinnati style of basketball or the brand of basketball that Cincinnati has brought over the last 30 plus years has been a brand defined by physicality and lacking it is, is embarrassing. You know, we want to see, we, we want to see that. We want to see these monsters. We want to see Chris Vogt go up with some gumption to the rim, not this slow motion. I'm going to go up super slow and dunk it in soft. Chris Vogt is at his best when he's taking the ball and ripping it through the hoop with all of, you know, his seven foot one, 260 pounds of, of frame crashing the glass. You know, we, that's what you want to see from him. You don't want to see you getting blocked on a two-handed dunk. That is unacceptable. Not only that, they get clean blocked on a dunk. You know, I understand if they're going to, if they have to foul you for you to miss that shot, great. That's what they have to do. But the fact that they don't have to foul you to block a two-handed dunk is embarrassing. You know what, though? There, there are some limitations to a player's game that you just can't fault them for, right? Chris Vogt's not going to be the most fleet of foot. He's not an explosive player. So when he does get blocked, you know, it's frustrating and it's easy to kind of uh, poke fun at what's happening on the court. I'm more concerned about the defensive intensity. And we're, we're kind of putting this and viewing this through the prism of Cincinnati basketball. But let's, let's take it bigger picture here. Name me the last college basketball team that achieved greatness, that went on runs in the tournament, that won their conference, that was, you know, an excellent college basketball team that didn't bring a culture of intensity or a culture of physicality or, or high level defensive performance. Every winning team has that. That's something you have as a team. If you're not playing defense, you've got just pristine offensive production and we don't have that, right? We know the offense looks different than it did under Mick Cronin. It's not yet producing at a higher level. We've seen snippets of it. We've seen spurts of offensive efficiency. We've seen spurts of, of, of high volume offense. It's not, our forte and it's not our strength and our defense isn't there to or to pick it up for us. So that to me is something that despite some of the talent challenges, despite the slow footed front court, we now are, are kind of stuck with, with Mamadou Diara opting out of the season, there are challenges in overcoming that, but in terms of playing hard and hitting your rotations and challenging shots and, and not getting absolutely abused on the defensive boards, those are things that are in our control, right? When, when John Brandon says in that post-game interview, we lack physicality and, there's, and it's just one of the things I know we have to deal with. Well, I mean, we lack, I guess, are you just calling Chris Vogt and Rapolis Ivanowski soft? Because both of them are huge. Chris Vogt is 7'1", 260. He's a player that John Brandon brought here from Northern Kentucky and has played during his career with the Bearcats 25 plus minutes a game. I would assume he believes in his abilities on the court. We see him finish through contact offensively. I don't think it's a matter of can he rebound. It's a matter of doing it. Figure out a way to get it through his head that he needs to be bigger on the boards, boxing out more defensively. 
And Rapolis, same thing. He has a, a history of a good defensive rebounding rate. He himself is 6'10". These are not small people. They don't have to be overpowered. John Brandon can do something about this. <laughs> I'm just laughing the way he said, these are not small people. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's so Homer. true. Well, I, I thought it was interesting too, because we were talking about in the middle of the game, we were texting about me and maybe Tari Eason was, we're overblowing him with his defensive rebounding prowess. Um, you know, I'm not quite ready to, to go there yet with him, but you know, he did tie for leads, but he should, you know, obviously if you're going to be taking the mantle of Trey Scott for rebounding dynamo of the team, you know, you got to be putting up 10 rebounds yourself. Someone has to do it. it. It makes you think and wonder back to last season that if you didn't have Trey Scott rebounding, would we be, we'd be looking at a team, I think very similar to what we're looking at now with all these frustrations. Um, it's just, it's, it's tough when you don't have an overall rebounding prowess on this team in watching Rapolis watch a ball hit off the iron arc right in front of him and hit the ground. And he stood there flat footed, never once making attempt to jump for the ball, to, to catch the ball, just watched it and watched, watched the South Florida retake the possession. It's, it's infuriating seeing that. Um, it's infuriating watching essentially one person get half of your team's offensive rebounds in Tari Eason. Uh, it's, it's just tough. That used to be the bread and butter of also our bear, the Bearcat identity is those second chance points. For instance, we had four, we literally, I think was it four offensive rebounds. Actually, let's, let's, we got to take a step back here. We had 10 offensive rebounds and four of them came off one possession, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of that work was done toward late in the game on a possession. <laughs> he hoisted, I think, five three pointers. <laughs> the last of which went in. I mean, it was a great shot. It might have been an and one from Tari Eason. And and Tari is one of the bright spots on the team. You know, we can certainly talk about some of the things that he's fallen short on in terms of, you know, rotations. And sometimes he's getting beat on the defensive glass. Look, he's a freshman, though. He's a freshman. Like he's exceeding expectations and delivering at a level that that is beyond what we should have been expecting from him this season. And his growth is, is, is promising. I think an episode or two ago, we talked about the fact that, you know, it, it's starting to seem like the ceiling for this team is whatever Tari Eason makes it. It's whatever Tari Eason can turn into this season. That's the, that's the ceiling of this team. And I, I believe that more now than ever after watching this game and, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to put un undue pressure on him because I think it's not going to be the highest ceiling. You know, this is a team that's probably trending toward a 500 record or, or potentially worse, Ooh. potentially a little better. I mean, that's what, that's the reality <laughs> of the situation. It's, it's hard to see much opportunity for recourse from Brandon. The, the team is what it is. And who's, who are the variables at this point? You know, Mike Saunders is showing flashes each game. I love what he's bringing defensively. Tari Eason, you know, you're probably going to be calling him our second best player on the team by the end of the season. I don't think that's far fetched. Like the days of the days of calling Chris Vode or Rapolis Ivanowski as the second, third best player, those those are past, right? They are actually liabilities on the court in terms of what's happening defensively. Um, we need to figure out a way to build this team and have this team play around what our strengths are. And you know what the strength of this team is? It's our wings. It's our guards. It's David DeJulius. It's Keith Williams. It's 
It's the length that we have and the speed we have from Micah Adams Woods, Zach Harvey, Mike Saunders. What we saw in the second half after going down 12 was a team that was desperately pressing, playing with desperation. John Brandon needs to figure out a way to get that level of intensity to show up on the court in the first half of these games. And if it means pressing more, press more. I actually thought, I, I thought his explanation about why the, when Dan Hort, he asked a great question about the press, not, not doing as much pressing in the first half. And, and John Brandon said it was tough to get into it because of the flow of the half. And it, I, we'd have to listen to it back exactly what he said, but we scored 41 points in the second half, which means there was plenty of opportunities to set the press up. We made a conscious decision to not press. That's what it, that's what it seems like to me. I didn't, I don't think he offered a good explanation. It, to me, it seems like he's going to, we're going to pivot. The best opportunity for us is to pivot from a strategy of throwing it down low into Chris vote and kind of playing a plotting style of basketball. This needs to be a fast paced team. Rebounding is a weakness for us. It is always going to be a weakness for us this season, given that, Let's press teams. Let's try and turn teams over more. Let's try and make the game a bit more chaotic and see if our athletes can thrive in transition. Keith Williams is dynamite in transition, and the press seemed to bring the best out of him. What do you think? You're 100% right, because Keith Williams is at his best when he's moving towards the basket. It, you know, He's not a knockdown shooter. We've already addressed that. That's not his game. His game is not the Jaron Cumberland stand there with you with the hand in my face and let me shoot a three point over you. That's not his game. His game is get the ball and cut to the hoop. And he started doing that late in the second half and he, he scored 12 straight points. That, and that, that was the MO. He had, and he hit, he hit some good open, th his open shot, his open three pointers. That's the Keith Williams that, that we need. And that's the type of game he has to play. And this team, the way it's constructed, and it's it's weird saying this because you know this is the ultimate goal of what Brandon's goal is, is to create a team where there isn't really one guy. But this is a team that seems to need one guy. You, know, you need a guy who can come in and take over the game and bring a certain level of energy. And once again, it goes back to culture and setting the right tone for the players. And look, I'm not there in practice, so I don't know if they do these drills or not. I, I don't know. But there's clearly a, a certain level of enthusiasm that's, ex, that's non-existent or passion almost from, from sometimes that you see where it's just, I think you said it best. What was it on Twitter? Your comment, it just, it looks like they- It's casual. I call casual. it casual. Like everything they were doing, you know, up until the end of the game, everything seemed very casual. We're casually boxing players out. We're casually inbounding the ball. We're casually grabbing the, a rebound and, and trying to outlet and turning the ball over. That can't happen. We need to value every possession. And so, right now it just seems it, it, that that casualness is what comes across as lack of intensity. Right. And so there, here's some bright spots. I know we're talking a lot of negative. So the bright spots that I see, but there's also some negative even within these own bright spots. It's like an ox, it's an oxymoron here. Tari Eason seems to bring that intensity a lot, but there are also times where you see him slip into that same casualness that you're speaking of Saunders whenever he gets the ball I'm excited genuinely excited to see what that kid is about to do next because he's so quick he can be so electric with the ball he's getting better every game this was a game we saw him bring it up a lot we're basically seeing him taking Micah Adams Woods role from last season as a primary ball handler alongside to Julius and they're they're trying I'm curious where they can 
when we're going to see Micah Adams Woods is maybe he needs to get in better shooting rhythm. Maybe he just needs to, you know, whatever it is, we're seeing Saunders taking the ball up the floor more, but when he does, I'm getting excited about it. Well, Micah, Micah's always the kind of guy who's going to be like the, the ultimate role player. I don't think Micah, we're going to never really see him evolve into a go-to player where it's give him the ball, clear out, let him go to work. He's always going to kind of fill in the gaps, be a solid defender, knock down the occasional open three point shot. You know, that that's what I see his role as. So in terms of what to seeing him jump up a level, I think he's more of the intangible guy. Like that's what he's going to bring to the table. I love what you said about Tari and Micah. I'm sorry, not Tari and Micah, but Tari and Mike Saunders Jr. Because I do agree with you in that they are the two most intense players on the team, especially as Tari has gotten comfort uh, or more comfortable with, with being in a bigger role. You see him, you know, get more pumped up. You see him, you know, just showing a different level of engagement on the court than you're seeing from our seniors. I see more, I'm just, you're just not seeing the same, we're lacking that leader, frankly, right? Like, like Trey Scott last season was so invaluable from a leadership perspective. He never let the team get down. He was always picking guys up who had their head, head hanging low from a bad play or two, or, you know, maybe the other team's going on an, on a run. Trey Scott was always there to pick the guys up, keep the spirits up, keep everybody engaged. And I think it made a big difference down the stretch of close games. I don't, we're, we're missing that. And we don't have that yet. And we certainly don't have the same closers that we had last season with what Jaron Cumberland was able to do in several of those conference games. So I, it's just, a, it's a very tough position. I think there are strengths of the team that John Brandon can continue to emphasize you know, the guard play, the wing play, those are the strengths of the team. We need to continue finding a way to minimize uh, Chris vote tonight. Again, you know, 26 minutes and, and Rappel played 20 Davenport's up to 26 minutes. I think the unfortunate reality is the prescription I would have for a lot of this is more Mama Diara minutes is a, is a guy who, who has who's low usage on offense. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't even say it. You know, I almost want to stop myself because <laughs> I'm that's, so that's obsessed. Gonna be, that's going to be the, like the hashtag all season <laughs> hashtag. Where's the do <laughs> needs more mama do it's my need needs more cowbell. It needs more cowbell it needs more mama do where's the mama do. Well, unfortunately it's not an option for us, but I, you know, it's, it's a bummer, man. You know, we're, we're doing this podcast right after the game. It's really hard to kind of put your thoughts together. I like to come at this from an analytical standpoint, looking at the stats, seeing what we can surmise from the game. But frankly, I think this game, the best way to react to it is to talk about what we, we saw on the, the court. <laughs> you don't need stats. What we saw was a team that just didn't bring it. And too many times during John Brandon's first two years as Bearcat head coach, the team has not brought it quickly enough. Coming back from the, from a 12 point deficit is hard. It's easy to come up short because it takes so much energy to come back. We need oh. to do a better job getting off into leads, establishing our dominance against teams like South Florida, rather than reacting to them. So Keith Williams had probably so far, arguably the best stretch of basketball that he's played the, the, what would that have been the eight minutes or so um, on his 12 point comeback. Here's the issue, and here's what it's all boiling down to. He played 22 minutes in tonight's game. We need more consistency from Keith Williams. This I don't like to say that this team will go as far as Keith Williams takes us, 
this team will go as far as Keith Williams is on the court. He needs to be on the court 30 minutes a game. He is the best player on the team. We don't need to necessarily run the offense through him, but he needs to be consistent. He needs to be on the court. He needs to bring the intensity and he needs to cut down on the stupid little fouls in the first few minutes of the game. Yeah. And I hope he realizes too. And John Brandon should point this out. These fouls aren't coming from playing defense. Like these aren't fouls that are coming from being engaged defensively. They are almost unanimously cheap reach in fouls, you know, upon frustration from missing a jump shot. There were a couple of offensive fouls in this game, but the ones he got defensively, which were I think three fouls, generally speaking, they were avoidable. It was sloppy reach in play. That's going to burn you every time. And you nailed it. Hummer. Keith Williams has got to be on the court, frankly, like like 35 minutes a game. He's such a good offensive force. He needs to be on the court a lot. He's in great shape. He can handle the load. We He, he has to figure it out. They have to figure that out. And and honestly, from, from John Brandon's perspective, when he joined Cincinnati, one thing he said is he was never afraid of, of letting a guy play through fouls. So, you know, two fouls in the first half, first half I'll keep them in. He's not doing that with Keith Williams. And I, and understandably so Keith Williams has done nothing to prove that he knows how to play in a a basketball in a way that avoids fouls. Hummer, this was talked about before the season by us. We knew Keith Williams struggled to stay out of foul trouble. We knew his minutes would have been higher last year if he didn't get in foul trouble. Yep. It's disappointing. I mean, it's disappointing. He hasn't figured it out. Well, I mean, I think we know, you know, we know where the shortcomings are with this team. I think we've seen enough that we know where the shortcomings are. We know what we need to do to improve. I I love that we do have some bright spots, though, in terms of Eason. You know, what I keep coming back to is thinking, all right, we had Micah Adamswood who plays as a freshman. Now he's playing as a sophomore. I, I I don't want to say he's regressed, but he's in a different role this year. But we have two freshmen that are getting significant minutes. Um, that they're going to be hope, you know, just improving as the season goes, uh, coupling that with all of the other sophomores who are playing well and improving Jeremiah Davenport being a, a big one. You know, there are some bright spots to look, to look forward to um, the rest of the season, even if this turns out to be what it's trending to at the moment, which is a rebuilding season. Uh, there's still some things we can do to enjoy the ride. Uh, oddly enough, I found this being a game where I wasn't screaming as much as normal because I start, I think I've, I'm starting to come to peace that this is maybe a rebuilding squad, um, that we're just, we're just missing some critical pieces of infrastructure on the team, um, AKA the, knockdown it, shooters. It, it, the simple fact is that John Brandon right now has to choose between big minutes for Ivan Auskis or Chris vote, neither of what, neither of which has been up to the task so far this season. I don't know. He's got to crack the code. I'm glad we did this episode, Hummer. We'll, we'll drop it. It felt emotional. I hope it, it's supposed to be. These are This is a reaction to what just happened in the USFUC game. It's a disappointing start to the season. And it's it's not, this happened last year. Okay. Look, we, we're not, we're, we're not seeing gonna, we're, a trend. We're done, apologi- we're done apologizing for it. All right. Chris Fote, we said this last year when he had the drop, start drop off, even if they want to blame it on, on shoulder injuries or what. Chris Vogt's game has, for the most part, been found out. Yeah, we've gone on too long. Remember? Let's just, we'll end it. We'll, we'll record a podcast this weekend, hopefully coming off of a, a strong football performance against Tulsa with, from a team that's certainly got a chip on his shoulder at this point. We will be so, uh, joined. You know, I, need a I need a double. It's a great day on Saturday. Okay, I need a double. We got, yes. we got a double header, two 8 p.m. games. 
Um, I'm gonna have to watch it from the command center, one on each screen. Can you imagine, um, man? Can you imagine following this up and losing to Tom Crean? I can't handle it. I can't do it. John Brandon, Bearcats, we hope you bounce back Saturday against Georgia. Can't wait to watch the football team in the American Athletic Conference championship game. The only game and, that uh, matters in all of sports, doesn't matter what other team you fought, this is the only game that matters, the biggest game of the year, the AAC championship game. <laughs> That's right. And we'll be joined Sunday by Bernard Fox. He's on the podcast talking CFP cabal talking uh, the successes of the football team. The authentic American conference. Brian Fox, B Fox is on the pod. Bernard. Bernard. (laughs) Hummer, is that it? That's it for me, man. We'll talk later. Later.